sometimes it's not for us to know. And then I think about it and I start to see the lesson, right? But then there are other things that have happened in my life where I'm like, now this don't make no sense. And even after therapy, even after unpacking it, even after the nights on the floor, praying and crying and trying to figure it out, you still don't understand. And what I'm learning is sometimes it's not for you to get. You're listening to the Redefining Wealth podcast with Patrice Washington. This is a space where each and every week we come together to learn more about what it means to chase purpose, not money. I'm your host, Patrice Washington. Welcome back, Purpose Chasers, to another episode. Listen, I am so excited for you to finally hear this interview with founder and artistic director of the Broadway Collective, Robert Hartwell. We discuss what it takes to trust and keep going when it doesn't seem like your purpose is panning out the way that you planned. And you know what I'm talking about. When you feel like this is what I'm supposed to be doing, and yet you don't feel like you're necessarily making the progress that you desire yet in this season. Listen, will you be someone who just wants the reward without willing to continue to take the risks? I can't wait for you to hear more. But before we jump in, let's get into this week's affirmation. You know, you got to speak positivity into your life. See your day. You gotta affirm positivity. You gotta affirm abundance. You gotta affirm yourself to wealth. This week's affirmation is I deserve to be wealthy because I add value to others. I am blessed with unique abilities and talents. There is something that I do better than anyone else around me with the least amount of effort. And when I understand my value, I create wealth by knowing what to charge for my service or product. Selling myself short is an insult to God. He has given me the ability to produce wealth. And when I don't maximize that potential to the fullest, I cannot turn around and expect much more. Today, I will determine and appreciate my value. I will be much more confident in charging what I am worth and communicating that to the marketplace. Declare today with me, I deserve to be wealthy because I add value to others. Welcome to the Redefining Wealth podcast, Robert. Oh, thank you so much, Patrice. I am so grateful to be here today. I'm really looking forward to this talk. First of all, Robert, could you be any cuter? I just, (laughs) I'm trying to focus. I have questions, but you're just so cute. You're so handsome. And this background is everything. So make sure you check out the teaser on Instagram so you can get a little bit of of (laughs) Robert's swag here. So Robert, such a full circle moment. Because Mm -hmm. I saw a viral video of you, I want to say maybe last summer or kind of maybe early fall, but I watched this video and I was like, this guy is fascinating. Like, and I thought to myself, he'd probably be great on the podcast one day, but I did absolutely nothing. I followed you on Instagram, but I didn't do anything else in terms of like pushing to make that happen. And then I'm in my office one day. And I get an email and the whoever, you know, is pitching you for podcasts is like, I think Robert Hartwell. I'm like, oh my gosh, it's the guy. Yes, because your story was so powerful that I knew you would be perfect for redefining wealth because we talk about chase purpose, not money. And Mm -hmm. I just see purpose all over you. It just Mm -hmm. oozes out of everything you say and do. So when I say I am so honored to have you, I just need you to know it's not like, oh, she says that to all the guests. No, I'm super excited for you to be here. That is so kind. And what I want you to know, my mom says all the time, she's like, you know, half the battle is just thinking it. And so it's so beautiful to see that coming back to you. And I believe that the universe sometimes is like, I just want you to have the faith and the courage just to even think it and watch me work. 
And look, you didn't even have to lift a finger except for do your good work and it will come and find you. So that's a testament to what you have been doing. So truly, thank you. I love it. So as I was sharing though, for many of us, our purpose comes out of pain. Like we've Mm -hmm. gone through some difficult things. I know that I'm only here because of my bathroom floor moments, just Mm -hmm. falling, snotting, crying like, okay, how did I get here? I've been doing Mm -hmm. the right stuff. Going into the pandemic, what were you thinking about what your plans were for 2020? And then how was that impacted by COVID? Oh my gosh, my plans going into 2020 were actually returning back to Broadway. I had been offered a position in a role in a new Broadway show that was coming. And I was really excited to announce that and to share that. And then the pandemic hit and my focus immediately turned to, I have to protect my team. I have to protect my students and I have to protect my family. And for me, that meant keeping the Broadway Collective, my company alive and keeping it active and keeping it a source of inspiration for our students, but also a refuge for our team. So I just got to work in a different way than I thought I was going into it, which I know is all of our story, right? But I truly thought 2020 was going to be a year going back onto the stage because at that point we had grown our team at the collective to be able to allow me to step away from the day to day. And they were going to, you know, be able to handle it. And I was really, really looking forward to that, but baby, (laughs) (laughs) the way that it shifted so quick, I was like, okay, but my goodness, it was exactly as it should be. Yeah. So what I really liked about you just in the research I was doing last year, I got that sense that you were like, no, like this will not take us all down. Like you stood with such strength, grace and poise and like I must move the team, the students, everything forward. And what we were saying here was purpose isn't postponed. Mm -hmm. I know that we're in a pandemic, but there are still things that we're called to do. Mm -hmm. And so you said, well, you know, I know we all shifted. No, the truth is, Robert, a lot of people refused to shift. Mm-hmm. A lot of people retreated mm-hmm. and they said, well, I'm going to wait until it's over. Because that, remember when it was cute, when they were like, we'll be good by Easter, right? It was like, oh, you know, give us, get, <laughs> give us two weeks. Give, give us, us two weeks. Two weeks. two weeks, we'll be back. <laughs> okay, well, maybe not two, maybe give us a good four, four to six, six to eight, yeah. 10 to 12, right? And it just mm-hmm. was this gift that kept giving, right? because it it just was never ending. And there were people, many people at that time when I was telling my clients, look, purpose isn't postponed. For those of you, for me, I'm a professional speaker. So people go, well, how do you create the same magic online that you create in person? Like you have to find a way to, to still do the thing because it's not how it makes me feel. It's what it does for the audience. Like what, mm-hmm. what are the lessons that the audience gets to take away? How did you keep pushing in purpose despite the fact that you're on Broadway and people are used to coming to Broadway? How were you able to pivot and still grow your business during that time? Listening, just listening. That's how. Listening to our students, listening to... Our team, I believe that if you want to do great things in this world, then you need to have the right people around you. Not to get too churchy for y'all, but I was just listening to a sermon on Sunday where my pastor said, you have to look and be grateful for the Ruths in your life, right? The people that stick by you when you tell them to go away, but they say, no, 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 no. Come back with me. We can go in the field together. We can do this together. Mm -hmm. And I had and continue to have a lot of roots in my life who aren't afraid to, when I feel like retreating, which happens, I'm Mm -hmm. a human, you know, Mm -hmm. that they say, no, no, no. (laughs) The harvest is due us, but that requires us going out into the field. 
So come with me. <laughs> Let me be your Ruth. Let me hold your hand. Let's hold space together. So that's really how I would say it happened last year and how it continues to happen is that I just decided to listen more, but also to trust. Because like you were saying, Patrice, you know, a lot of people did retreat, which like, hey, that's a part of the human experience, right? Like we went through something that I do believe we'll never experience ever again. But the reality is, my goodness, if you do trust that the universe has more for you, you won't miss the mighty move. Mm, You won't miss the mighty move. Yeah. You know, I've been through so many different things, Robert. I mean, too many to list in this moment. But one of the things that I know that it's done is sharpened my faith. Cause mm-hmm. I used to be a person that would try to borrow my grandma's faith. So mm-hmm. like grandma said, but I didn't have any real personal connection with it. Mm-hmm. And that's led me to this belief that things don't happen to me. They happen for me. So I'm always searching for the lesson or the blessing, even in the betrayal even in the hurt, even in the pain, even in the tears, even in the moments where, yes, we are human and we want to retreat. I'm like, okay, but what's the lesson? Come on, God, like show me the blessing. What is it that I'm supposed to get from this? And how can I take that and still be a blessing to others? Mm-hmm. So I'm I'm still unpacking some of that in therapy because I'm like, <laughs> you know, is it my mm-hmm. responsibility to always try to, you know, show it to others or how can I mm-hmm. use this? Mm-hmm. But I'll tell you, it is the thing that keeps me going. Mm-hmm. You know, I love that, Patrice. And I have to say, I don't know if you feel this way, but something that I'm learning is sometimes it's not for us to know. Mm. You know, there were some things that happened, have happened in my life. And I'm like, oh my God, why me, Jesus? Like, why, why, why me? You know, and then I think about it and I start to see the lesson, right? But then there are other things that have happened in my life where I'm like, Now, this don't make no sense. And even after therapy, even after unpacking it, even after the nights on the floor, praying and crying and trying to figure it out, you still don't understand. And what I'm learning is sometimes it's not for you to get. (laughs) Sometimes it's just for you to say that is life, but life is in the going on. And it's not always about I think sometimes we do get so connected to, well, what is the lesson in this? Sometimes the lesson is just in the, will you keep going? That's good. Just will you keep going? Will you trust? Will you trust? Will you keep going? Keep taking the next step forward. So you had a moment where you had to trust and keep going. From what I understand, you put everything on the line down to your last dime for the Broadway Collective. Yeah. How did that come about? How were you so, I don't know, invested in this, in this vision that you were willing to literally risk it all? What, what was the scenario around that? So the scenario was I was on the first national tour of Motown. And at this point in my career, I think I had been doing Broadway shows for probably six or seven years at that point. And I loved my career on Broadway. I was so grateful and I was so kept is really what it was. I would go from one show to the next show to the next show to the next show. And I didn't take that for granted, but I knew that there was starting to be a shift. I was starting to feel like, oh, uh, oh, still small voice. I'm going to need you to, um, I'm going to need you to, I'm going to need you to stop talking right now, you know, but it just, wanted, it just wanted to shut up. It was like, Hey, I have some other things for you. I have some other things for you. Are you open to it? You know? And I just kept saying, I'm available. I'm available. I'm available. I'm available. And I have an incredible mentor in my life. His name is Charles Randolph, right? And he is an incredible director, but also a mentor and a, and a father figure to me. And he said, Robert, you have a gift for teaching and you've been teaching for all of these other people's organizations for all of these years, step out and bet on yourself, build something that you can pass on to generation to generation to generation. And we're really thinking about the purpose of this podcast. And I believe the work that you're doing 
it's beyond monetary value. And it's truly, I think the wealth is in showing and sharing that we can do all things and that we can step out on faith and that we can just lean into, I'm going to just put it all out there. Right. So I, I was on Motown. We were, you know, doing the national tour, going across the country. And I had, you know, pulled my savings together over, you know, my career. And I knew it was going to take a bit of money to open my own company. You know, you've got to get insurance, you've got to get legal contracts and all of this. And I said, why not me? Why not me? I know that if I've been kept this seven years, you know, from graduating till now, what's going to change? What's going to change? But you know, Robert, we, we love good spiritual amnesia. We will. Yes, we, we do, Patrice. We love spiritual amnesia because that's what it takes. It takes the reflection, right? Mm-hmm. It takes going and go and looking back and going, but I was kept here. I was kept mm-hmm. here. I was kept there. And ooh, mm-hmm. I shouldn't have been kept there, but I was kept there. Mm-hmm. And here I am. But when we find ourselves in new terrain or up against new challenges, we do. We're like, but, but wait a minute, right? Mm-hmm. And you have to look back and go. What's what's going to change? You've been mm-hmm. kept this entire time. That's powerful. And so I said, all right, here we go. <laughs> so I emptied that account and just really invested in a business coach, uh, Rachel Rogers. And yeah, Rachel, she's been on the podcast. She's incredible. She's the best. And, you know, speaking of, you talked about this at the beginning of, you said, hey, I think Robert would be great for the podcast. I saw a Facebook ad of Rachel's five years ago. And I said, that's going to be my best friend. I said, that is going to be my best friend. I said, that's going to be our business coach. I said, that's going to be my best friend. And we worked together. And within literal days, we were just kikiing. And now, I mean, she is literally my best friend. Oh, I love um, it. So I say all of that to say, though, Patrice, what that investment meant of emptying out that account and 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 giving that money to opening this company it opened so many doors you know and i would have never started to dream a new dream had i not emptied out and just fully trusted hey i know that the plans have to be for good so robert i know someone's listening and they're like by emptied you mean what like when you say empty, you saying down to zero or you saying down to like 5,000 left when you say emptied. Yeah. So here's, here's what I'm going to say. We did our first masterclass and I, at this point, you know, you have to rent out when you're going on a national tour and for us, our business structure at that time was built on going on a national tour. So we were going to 20 different cities, right? And we were going to have one day workshops in each of those cities to then say, hey, this is our programming, essentially like open houses, right? You have to pay for the rental space, the teachers. So you have to do that. You have to pay all of that in advance. Our first class on January 24th, 2016 in New Orleans, Louisiana, we had 33 people in the class. Out of those 33 people, three people paid. So I remember our first class walking away and there was a negative in our account. So when I say I had emptied it all out, I'm talking I had emptied it all out. But if you continue to stay the course, if you continue in faith and you continue to let your mind look for the good and trust that the best is still in front of you, you will keep going and now, you know, five years later, we're a multi seven figure company. You know, yeah. I don't have a business degree. I just have some faith that it's Ooh. all going to work out. You know, I truly believe that so many people just give up too soon. Mm-hmm. Right. Because they want to they want to look at Robert's story and the Broadway Collective and see, oh, multiple seven-figure business, that's what I want, but they don't want the moments of walking away from the first event in the red. They don't want Mm -hmm, that. mm -hmm. But there's no way for you to be who you are today had you not had that moment back in New Orleans in 2016. 
Every other month, I attend a Super Friends brunch where we talk about everything from purpose to pursuing new dreams and even menopause. Yep, you heard me, menopause, because if you're over 40 and your girlfriends don't keep it real, I don't know what to tell you. But we have these important conversations because how can we redefine wealth if we're not keeping up with our hormonal health? Now, we discovered Happy Mammoth. It's the company that created Hormone Harmony, and it's dedicated to making women's lives easier. And that means using only science-backed ingredients that have been proven to work for us. They make no compromise when it comes to quality. Hormone Harmony contains herbal extracts called aptogens that help the body adapt to any stressors like chaotic hormonal changes that happen naturally. And any woman with symptoms of hormonal imbalances can take Hormone Harmony. It's perfect for hot flashes, night sweats, menopause-related brain fog, sleeplessness, occasional bloating and gas. You get the picture. Hormone Harmony can help with all of these things. And for a limited time, you can get 15% off on your entire first order at happymammoth.com by using the code RW at checkout. That's happymammoth.com and use the code RW for 15% off. The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. You know... You want, you, you want it. I tell our students all of the time, I'm like, you want the reward, but you don't want the risk of the sacrifice, you know? And a little story last weekend, I went with my friend Don hiking and I was so excited to go, you know, I love nature. I, growing up, my brother and I were in the Boy Scouts programs. We used to spend a lot of weekends in the woods. You're like, baby, this fuchsia sweatshirt in the woods. Yes, child. I love it. I love it. But that's my, (laughs) so anyway, Don and I are on this hike, right? And we're climbing up these mountains. And the first like 20 minutes of the hike almost took an hour because there were so many people that were moving so slow and we couldn't get up, right? But I'd say about another 20 minutes into that, it started to, people just started to thin out and thin out and thin out and thin out. And then we got to the top of the mountain and saw and overlooked New York City. And it was the most beautiful, majestic sight that I had ever seen. But I looked around and there weren't nobody up there but us. And I'm like, everybody shows up to the base. Everybody shows up, right? But you gotta, you gotta press through because what was at the top, now don't get me wrong, it was a bit lonely with just only Don and I up there, but the view, mm. that was the promise there, you know? Yeah. Oh, that is, what a great visual for just this journey. Right. Mm-hmm. Anything that we aim to do. It's, it's not going to be crowded at the top because most people, as you say, they thin out, they give up. That's the reality. And it's not to make anyone listening feel bad or where. But listen, 
you want to get to the finishers club at some mm-hmm. point, right? I I had a student once that told me that she was a professional quitter. Oh, oh my. Yeah. Oh. Before coming to me, she was, okay. I was <laughs> like, and as a professional quitter, but for years, she, her story was like, for nine years, I've been a professional quitter, something like that. Like everything that mm-hmm. I start, I would stop. But I think too, many times we don't have a bigger purpose for why, like there had to be, why did you want to go to the top? Why were you committed to getting to the top? Because a lot of people say they want to go, but then there's a difference between being interested. So being interested is putting you, putting your workout clothes on, you put your boots on or whatever you you wore, right? You put your tennis shoes on, you drive on over, you get out, you get your bottle of water, you stretch, you take a picture at the base, let people know you're there, right? You got to let them know. <laughs> you got to <laughs> let the ground know. You got to let them know. You do all of the things that interested people do, yeah. but only committed people say, I'm going to the top. Mm-hmm. That's that's just how it pans out. And I think, Patrice, again, I think it comes back to that idea of, do you have a Ruth with you? Don't get me wrong. I was feeling quite out of shape that day because I hadn't been hiking, you know, since the pandemic, you know, and so... To have Don being like, hey, come on, we can do this, you know, to have a best friend like Rachel, who's like, hey, when the going becomes the going, because that's what it's going to be. You got to have that Ruth of a friend that's like, hey, we didn't come this far to come this far. You know, you know, what's also beautiful about that, Robert, you didn't have to be in your best shape possible to make it. You just Mm. commitment. Mm-hmm. Because a lot of f- people use what you're saying as another reason to not do the thing. Well, I don't have a business degree, so how can I start a successful business? Mm-hmm. Like, how can I start a business? But in being in relationship with Rachel, and I'm sure whatever other community you have, your community of roots, right? At some point, that piece, if that was ever a story for you, was that a story? Like, well, I don't have a business degree, so I don't know if I can do this. Or were you more committed to why you were creating the collective? It comes back to my mom always. And the biggest lesson, one of the biggest lessons she taught my brother and I growing up is to be mindful of the words that you use. So even as a kid, if language was not allowed in our house, only when language, saying I don't have was not allowed in our house it would be, I'm going to work for then said thing. And to really see possibility versus seeing problem, not to, you know, just trick yourself only into positive toxic behavior in that way, but to live your life in a growth abundant mindset. And so I think that it really comes back to that for me. Yeah. Words are so powerful. Yeah. So powerful. So speaking of that, I saw a video that you did called Letter to Home. Oh, it was so good. We're going to link to it in the show notes. You guys have to see this. It was so good. And we believe here at Redefining Wealth in the space pillar, right? Honoring your space. Because this is the environment where all your creativity is birthed, where your ideas come, where you have some of your most intimate moments. And I believe that any space I occupy is sacred. So Mm -hmm. I want to treat it with respect. So I definitely know a little something about getting slapped in the face. When you have plans for your purpose, but things are just not panning out the way that you thought they would. One of those happened to me many years ago now, well before I ended up on the Steve Harvey morning show as the personal finance expert there for four years. And well before the success of this podcast, the Redefining Wealth podcast, I had a vision that my voice would be used on the microphone. And I wasn't quite into the radio space yet at all. I didn't even know much about it, even though I had interned in radio back in the day. I had never thought of myself as talent by any means. But there came a time around 2011, something like that, 2011, 2012, 
where my husband actually heard about a radio station in the Midwest that was looking for some content. They were looking for some filler content. And we thought, oh my gosh, maybe I should do like a money minute segment and maybe just give a financial tip in 60 seconds or Maybe we could create a segment that could be two to three minutes. We were willing to be flexible and just figure out how I could start to build my voice in that marketplace, even though I was down in Atlanta. And so we got in a studio, rented the time, rented the space, got the engineer, and we did some testers and some samples. And my husband sent it in. And crazy enough, (laughs) he sent it in. We didn't hear anything for about a week or so, maybe two weeks. He decided to follow up. And the program director was very short and to the point. And he said, it's not going to work. Her voice is hideous. Hideous. And I remember feeling some kind of way, right? Like, okay, I felt like I had visions of myself on a microphone. I felt like this is the direction that could make sense for how my career, you know, is going to, is going to expand and grow, but hideous. And I know that I've heard people say, you don't quite know what you sound like, right? To yourself, you sound completely different than what you may sound like to others. And so I had to sit with that, like, wow, hideous. Hmm. So what does that mean that I shouldn't do it, that what I saw was not really what I should expect? I felt some kind of way. Thankfully, though, I didn't let it deter me for too long. I ended up running into someone who became a good friend in that season, Clyde Anderson, who was a financial analyst on CNN at the time. And he was doing a lot of speaking and had books and was really doing all the stuff I wanted to do, I aspire to do. And this is about, I think, going into like 2012, 2013, Clyde and I decided that we were going to create our own radio show. We called it Main Street Radio. And it was, I believe, Love 860 down in Atlanta. We invested in a producer. We invested in the time slot. We invested a lot of time, energy, and money, photo shoot, all the things, and pulled it together. And we said... We are not going to not do what we feel called to do because of the gatekeepers. You don't want us on your show. You don't want me on your show. No problem. I'll create my own show. And we did Love 860 for several months, not quite a full year, maybe about nine, 10 months or so. And it gained popularity. We had people listening online from all over the country. And I believe we had listeners in other parts of the world. And it was such a wonderful opportunity to know that, It doesn't always look the way that you think it should look. It's not always going to come in the way that you think it should come. But sometimes you have to be grateful for the doors that were closed. Sometimes purpose doesn't quite pan out the way that you planned, but doubt doesn't mean don't do it. There's still something on your heart. If you still feel called to do it, are you willing to look past the naysayers and to get over the rejection to get over the need to be validated by others and just do your thing because you know it's your thing. Greatest thing I could have done in that season was partner with Clyde and do Main Street Radio together because it taught me that whether you like the tone or the cadence or the bass in my voice, good information is good information and your people will hear you and they will love you and they will follow you Whatever makes other people think you sound hideous is not your business. But I do have to end by saying this. In January 2014, I went on the Steve Harvey Morning Show as a one-time guest to promote Real Money Answers for Every Woman. And the book did phenomenally well that week. They got a lot of emails in their email bag about questions for me and wanting me to come back and could I answer people's questions. And so I ended up going back a couple weeks later and then Steve said, you should come back. And I came back a couple weeks later. And then finally they said, do you just want to answer people's questions every week? And that was the beginning of me becoming the money maven of the Steve Harvey Morning Show. 
started around April 2014, and I did not end until April 2018 when I decided to stop straddling the fence and go all in on the Redefining Wealth podcast. Now, why do I share it with you? I share that to say that because the Steve Harvey Morning Show was nationally syndicated, I actually ended up with my segment being aired on the very station that rejected me all those years before. So if that program director was still there in the Midwest, whether he liked my voice or not, he had to hear it. And this time, it wasn't in a small local market in the Midwest. It was literally all over the country for four years. So no matter what is going on in your life with your purpose, remember, doubt doesn't mean don't do it. And just because you've been detoured doesn't mean that you've been denied. Maybe God is trying to get you to double down even more on what you've been called to do. I saw that letter to home and I just about fell over. Mm -hmm. I was like, I love this. Can you tell us about that project and why letter to home was so special? Oh my gosh. You know, what's really beautiful is I just want to say thank you for recognizing that because low key, (laughs) and I'm sure your listeners will understand this, that was ministry for me. And I believe that when you are put on this earth and if you're called to be the light, there's a way I think that we can be the light with respecting people and respecting their journey and simply being light versus pushing people out versus just let them feel the glow. And so when that project came to me, I was like, it just felt different. You know, those emails that come in your inbox and you're like, there's something different on this. And my agent was like, hey, I think this is pretty special. And I was like, I think this is pretty special. And what I loved is they let me write the script myself. And then my friend Pierre, he came and shot it. And it was just like a beautiful moment to really reflect on a space that held me up. And, you know, one of my other coaches, Alex Charfin, always says, he's like, one of the most spiritual things you'll ever do in this life is build a company. And I believe it because I sit in this office at all odd hours of the night and early morning. And my favorite times of being in this office are early in the morning before our team gets in or late at night when I'm working on whatever I'm working on at 11, 12, one in the morning because you feel so connected to your purpose and you feel so connected to the plan that is over your life. And so when I got to sit down and write that script, I worked on it for days. I even had some friends, you know, look over it and it felt like an assignment. And Mm -hmm. so when the response, when the responses started to come back of people saying this touched me in a different way, it just, it filled my heart because that's what the intention was. Yeah. I really wanted people to know that like, hey, we are still here. Our pain does produce our greatest purpose. And to look around. Yeah. To look around and to say thank you. Right. So again, we're going to link to this, but just for, for you, for those that are listening, I felt it in my spirit. Like you were... So I built my office in in my basement here last year during the pandemic as well. And when it was at the studs and just the beams, my husband, my daughter and I went around and wrote different scriptures or different Mm -hmm. words like people's people's lives will be blessed because of the work that's done in this space. And we just like went through and wrote before they put the drywall up. And I feel like such a presence. Mm-hmm. even when I'm here by myself. Mm-hmm. Like I feel such a presence in just knowing that this space is special because of what's birthed in it, you know? Mm-hmm. And so when I watched that video of you and you were going through just kind of like, thank you for holding me down. Like, thank you for holding me up. Thank you for reminding me of what I came here to do. I just, 
I was like, I feel that. That's why I was like, he going to be my friend. Like, I know that. <laughs> I know that. I felt that in my spirit. It was, it was beautiful. And I don't even want to butcher anything. I wish I would have transcribed it just so I could read some of it to the audience. It was beautiful. That means so much to me. So thank you for saying that. And also, I got to say, huge, you know, gratitude to Lowe's for allowing me the space to authentically share because there are many times that you do partnerships and that's not the case. And they really allowed me the opportunity to speak from my heart and to be myself, you know, and, and I think that's, that's a gift. Absolutely. Absolutely. So speaking though of spaces, I think the original piece of content that I found you in was a viral, I think I read an article. I didn't see a video when I first saw you. It was a, it was an article about the generational move you made by purchasing your dream home, the home that you call the White House. Tell us about that entire experience. This story is phenomenal. Just anything you want to share about it, share it all. That story is phenomenal. Thank you, Patrice. I was not looking to be a homeowner last year. (laughs) You know, that was not, that wasn't on my vision board at the top of 2020. Like, let's buy a home this year. But I had said a few years prior, hey, I want to be a homeowner. And when I saw the picture of that listing, I was like, that is mine. That is my home. It just, I just knew it. I just felt it. And when I met the realtor, I remember he said to me, you know, I'm going to show you, I think he sent like maybe 10 or 12 homes that we were going to see that day. And I said, Barney, I said, baby, you can just go on ahead and save all your time and go on ahead and put those other homes away. I just need to go see my house. And I remember him saying to me, he said, okay, Robert, he's like, it really needs a lot of work. There's a reason that it sat on the market for 10 years, right? Like it's, it's over 200 years old. Like it needs a lot of work. And I said, it was waiting for me. You know, it was waiting for me. It was waiting for me. So I said, if it makes you feel better and you'll feel at more comfort and peace that we go see a couple of homes, I'll go see two more homes. (laughs) And so we did. We went to go see two other homes and then we ended at my house. And when I went in, like this was this was June, right? Like we were still in the thick of the pandemic. I mean, I that was the first person that I saw that wasn't the four walls of my New York city apartment. You know, I remember I had like 12 masks on that day. We like, you know, that's really when you were like, you wouldn't even like touch someone's elbow. You were just like, (laughs) I see you. (laughs) Hey, Hey, you know? And when I went in, I just, I felt lifted. I felt at home. I felt safe. I felt like I wasn't there alone. Um, And I felt like I had some work to do there beyond decorating. I felt like I had like a generational calling there. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. 
But Robert, so you have to tell the audience, though, because this is not just any house. It's not like, oh, it's just like a, a regular house that, you know, maybe we over here going to see with the realtor. This house was built. Was it in 1820? Was it, it was built, built in 1820? 1820? Yeah, it was actually originally built, I believe, in 1810. No. Mm, yeah, 1810. Um, and, you know, the reality is it was built in the time that slavery was still legal for most part in the United States, you know. And so there are... What's interesting is that the home is in Massachusetts. And at that time, technically on paper, Massachusetts was a free state. But what you can't tell me is that in 1820, that the three Black people that lived in that home that do not even have names on the U.S. Census (laughs) had a fair and equitable working environment. And there's also a cave on my property. So there's like a, a ravine and a cave. And there is local history that a portion of that was a part of the Underground Railroad. And so there's a lot of history, honestly, that I am looking to learn as I begin the renovation process. But to know that at that time in our history... <laughs> that those black and brown people existed in that home. And you can even see in the floorboards on the second floor in the back of the house, there's the servant stairs and you can just see the walls are down now, but you can see on the original floorboards where there's just these tiny rooms, you know? And I just think, you know, someone that's in my life, her name is Yvette Noel Shore, and she's like a, a, a new mother figure in my life. And she said, I want you to know that there are going to be rooms in that home that we would have not been able to be in other than mm. to cook or to clean. And you will be able to dance in that room. You will be able to have children in that room. You will be able to love your husband in that room. You will be able to change our story in that home, Mm. you know? So it's been a lot to begin to learn about the history and a lot to, to really think about, you know, but I just keep saying this is bigger. Mm-hmm. you know and so i'm i'm really excited for what's next yeah the thing that strikes me the most is that you said that when you walked in you felt peace mm-hmm. right and and mm-hmm. so when you think of those times and just what could even possibly be the experience of a black person in that house for you to still feel this sense of peace i just think it's so powerful mhm yeah, I just want to come to the housewarming. So whenever it's done, done, I'm sending you an invite. I'm sending you an invite. I'm just Absolutely. trying to get to the housewarming. I will share with you guys on IG if allowed. When? Oh. Yes, yes, done. Don't, done. don't press. No. <laughs> so the last thing I want to talk about, because, you know, we do talk a little here about money. It's funny. It's called redefining wealth, but we rarely really talk about money. You ended up buying that home cash. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> that's a that's a big difference from who you were in January 2016. Yeah. Kind of using your last. So what was that journey like? I will say it was fast. You know, I saw the home. I saw the listing on a Saturday. I then saw the home on a Monday. I paid for it on Friday, Juneteenth. And then I went and got the keys the following Wednesday. And then I took that picture that Wednesday when I got the keys. Yeah. So, I mean, it happened so fast. Patrice, again, like I told you, I was not thinking about buying a home last year, you know, but what was beautiful is that I stayed to the plan, which was continue to grow this company, continue to show up. And it allowed me to be in a space where 
I could purchase that home, you know, and Mm -hmm. that was the thing I've, the reason why that home stayed on the market for so long was the seller really was only accepting a cash offer, you know? And I was like, the word cash is not keeping me from my home. Like it's it's not happening, you know? So I tell you and everyone listening, that's why we have to keep climbing up the mountain. That's why we have to keep climbing up the mountain. That's why we have to keep our roots knowing that we're grateful for them, you know, because I would not have been able to buy that home had I not had an incredible team at the Broadway Collective that were holding me up and saying, hey, let's go, you know, because Mm -hmm. it was really because our business grew in the pandemic that I was able to make that move. That's, that's what that was. Wow. Wow. What a setup for purpose. And just think of all the amazing things that are kind of that are going to come out of that space. I can only imagine. So, oh, Robert, before I let you go, I have to ask you what we call redefining wealth rapid wisdom questions. So you're just going to tell the first thing that comes to mind. Okay. How do you define success? Do I wake up in the morning and say thank you? How do you define the word wealth in three words or less? Giving to my family. Oh, that's four. <laughs> we can do giving to family. Giving <laughs> to family. <laughs> that's fine. You said four. Some people say like 93 words and we have to just keep cleaning it up. So that was good. You're okay. Okay. Uh, what's one book that has helped you redefine wealth for yourself? Steve Harvey's Jump. Really? Yes. Yeah. That book was a huge turning point in my life because at that point I was in Hello, Dolly on Broadway. And that book said to me that, hey, you are worth a jump. You are worth just going all the way in. And what's beautiful, Patrice, you're talking about full circle moment. I made that jump and then Last summer, before the summer before the pandemic, I was with Rachel on a business retreat in Italy, and we are literally on a yacht. And I'm looking at this huge yacht across from us, right? So Rachel and I jump in the water. We get back. We then go to shore. We were in uh, Capri, and we go to shore and. I noticed this little tugboat behind us and I said, oh my God, it was Steve Harvey. And he said, I saw you jumping in the water and it reminded me of when I was your age. And I said, well, I want to thank you because it's because of you that I'm in Italy right now. I said, you wrote a book a couple of years ago called Jump. I said, that book gave me the courage to jump from my career as a Broadway performer for 10 years and go full-time into running my own company. And I said, the moment that I did that was the moment that we hit our first seven figures. And he just like took me by the shoulder and he was like, I see you young black man and don't stop. Keep hustling. My friend Susan, who hosted that retreat, she said, miracles are going to happen this week and just watch for them. And I talked about this book all the time. And I was so scared to go on that trip because I was like, oh, I'm going to spend this money. And I was like, baby, just do it. Just jump. Just go. So, you know, what's even more incredible about this story. So, you know, I was the money maven of the Steve Harvey Morning Show for four years. So at the time that jump came out, I actually was one of two other speakers that traveled around the country with Steve Harvey promoting that book. (laughs) Hold up, Patrice. Hold up, Patrice. (laughs) He's grabbing the book. (laughs) It literally sits on, like, you can't see, I don't know if you can see it, but like right there. Can you even? Yeah. Look. And it it looks good and worn. It oh yeah. All my notes. I was like, I love it. Yeah. This book. And you know what? Was Patrice? It was when y'all did. It was his first pitch 
for the book at the end of the show. Mm -hmm. And it was, I remember I've told this story. I was vacuuming and I was getting ready to go to the show and he just stopped at the end of the show and he just was in tears. And he said, I don't know what it is that you want to do, but I feel it for you. And I want you to jump in. And he said, I have a book coming out. I ordered, I pre-ordered that thing so fast. That thing came in the mail. I read it in days and I put my notice in and I was a full-time entrepreneur within, oh my gosh, Patrice. I love it. Robert. I read the manuscript before it was even available for pre-order. I I read the manuscript and you were so right. What a game changer. And I have to tell you, I was on the show from 2014 to 2018, radio and television. And in 2018, I had to jump because I felt that I was straddling the fence. I was very comfortable with all of, you know, the media attention I got from being on the Steve Harvey show and being a recurring guest and all that stuff. But I felt like God was saying, it's time to go all in on redefining wealth. Like you have it's so you have to let go of whatever you think people see you as, as the money maven in this box and embrace that still small voices, like embrace what I'm calling you to. And when I was leaving in 2018, I remember telling people that I was going to give my notice and all this stuff and they would go, but that's millions of listeners. Like, why would you give that up? Why can't you do both? And I'm like, it's not a matter of capacity. I'm being obedient. It's not mm-hmm. like, like, yeah, I could probably figure out how to do both. That's fine. We can make things happen. But it was, do I actually trust mm-hmm. that my message is good enough on my own? Mm-hmm. What God has given me to do can mm-hmm. be executed in the world. Let me tell you, I left in April and probably within, I don't know, eight to 10 weeks or so, when I tell you things just started to move, 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 the podcast started to grow exponentially. Uh, the opportunity started to come exponentially, like things just picked up. And I'm grateful for that season. But a season doesn't have to be bad for it to be complete. Mm-hmm. You can jump before the plane is crashing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you don't have to wait to get out there and do what you're called to do. And so being in that season, though, I've known Steve since I was 19 years old. So being in that season of serving during the jump, like when the promotion was going on and act like a success and all those things, even though I was very present and committed in it, it was also pulling me Mm -hmm. away from that so that I could truly embrace this message of redefining wealth. So I love all of this. That's a blessing. It's a blessing. I used to tell people, folks would stumble upon me on the Steve Harvey show, but I know that people who land on this podcast, they were searching for something. Mm -hmm. Like they were praying. My reviews always say I was praying about X, Y, Z, and then I stumbled upon you. No, you didn't stumble. You were divinely led here when you were ready. Yes, you were. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Oh, Patrice, thank you for this. This was so good. So good. Thank you so much. Oh, thank you. I just, I knew I, I was, I remember when, you know, the requests came through like, Hey, you know, would you, would these dates work for you? And I was like, I could just see uh, literally just from looking at your page, I was like, yeah. And there was some stuff that came <laughs> up this morning and I was like, you know, a member of our team was like, are you going to be able to, I was like, I need this hour. Mm. I need this hour with her. I was like, this is a total yes. So just thank you. Uh, and I'm so you. proud of you. And I did not know that story. Oh my God. And what's so funny is I wasn't even going to start telling that story because I was like, oh, I know we're like probably at time, but. Oh, I'm so glad you did. What a moment. Uh, what a moment. Beautiful. <sighs> thank you, Robert. Listen, Patrice, I am. I'm so proud of you to be in this moment and to many more. Okay. I'm yeah. I'm coming to the housewarming. So you're invited. That's I'm invited. Done. You heard it yeah. here, guys. Yeah. You heard it here. <laughs> Thank you, Robert. Thank you so much, Patrice. Today's Ask Patrice Anything comes from Bree in Bossier City, Louisiana. 
Hello, Patrice. This is Bree, and my question for you is how do you navigate making a good decision and making a God decision? Oftentimes, you are so transparent in how you navigate your business and personal, and with so much success and achievement, I know it's harder and harder to make those decisions. So how do you tell the difference between a good decision and a God decision? Hey, Bree, that is a wonderful, wonderful question. You know, a lot of times you may hear me say that I am spirit-led. I feel that it is important to have structure and strategy and all those things. But when it all comes down to it, I really do believe in leaning into an intuitive process um, that really is always looking for, does this feel right in my soul? And people don't want to hear that, Bree. They want how many times should I post on Instagram today? You know, how long should my captions be? How long should my podcast episode be? And the truth is much of my success has been rooted in truly. Yes, I I lean into coaching. I get the support that I need. I believe in the information, but I don't believe that information should trump intuition. I believe that the reason that so many of us struggle in our businesses is not because we don't know what to do. It's that we don't trust ourselves to do it. And so for me, a lot of my business decisions really come from the time that I spend in my prayer room. And you hear me talk about that all the time. There's nothing that I have released out into the market that hasn't been prayed over first. That's the truth. It doesn't matter how much people, and you know this, Brie, <laughs> full transparency, Brie is in my community and a coaching client. Brie, you know this because you and and your P2P sisters or Command the Stage sisters, you guys have asked me to create other programs and you've asked me to create these different coaching packages or one-on-one. And the thing is, even though I know those things could be very lucrative, if they do not feel an alignment for me in that season, it's still very much a no. And so many people bring to me good ideas, but I know when it's a God idea, when I feel that overwhelming, compelling urge that I just have to do it. When I don't feel like I have to do it, when I'm okay with losing it or missing out or just not following through, for me, that doesn't feel like a a God idea. Lots of things look good, but everything that is permissible is not beneficial. And just because you can doesn't mean you should. And everything that you think of doesn't need to be executed in this season. Some things you jot down, you allow the brain dump to take place, you put it all out. And then personally, I pray for release, right? I pray that there's a prayer in my prayer room right now on the wall and it says something like, I will not rush in. I will only go when the water recedes. And so sometimes I think that we can rush into doing a bunch of things, but that's how we drowned. <laughs> like, that's how we drown. That's how we get overwhelmed. That's how we get burnt out. I would prefer to go with the flow and move into things when I absolutely am certain, which again is very hard to explain because it's very intuitive. It's very spirit led. It's from spending a lot of time alone, praying, journaling, meditating, so that when I hear it's time to go. I know that it's divine and I know that it's not just me. So for me, anything that has to do with business, I believe I run a ministry that's disguised as business. (laughs) So anything that has to do with business, if it's not really run through that filter first, for me, it's always going to be harder than it needs to be, or it's going to crash and burn quickly. And so that's my process. So There's a reason that faith pillar comes before work pillar. The pillars are designed the way they are in the six pillars of wealth very intentionally. And I don't believe that we can have the progress we want with the work pillar unless we are really spending time getting to know ourselves on a deeper spiritual level so that we move with intention and we move very clear about when and how we should move. So you can tell I'm your coach because I love questions like this. But thank you so much, Bree. And if anyone has a question at all, please don't hesitate to submit your questions to ask Patrice anything. 
You can go to patricewashington.com forward slash ask Patrice, fill out the quick form, and hopefully I'll be answering your question here on the podcast sometime soon. That's it for today's episode. I hope that you enjoyed Robert Hartwell as much as I enjoyed him. I just adore him. I adore watching him even in social. He's such a genuine soul, so authentic, and I just really felt a great connection with him. So make sure that you hit him up in social media and tell him thank you if he has encouraged you to keep going and pushing forward, even when things with your purpose don't go as planned then let him know because it's always good to just let people know that their valuable time was really received in the spirit that it was meant to be. So until next time, I want you to go live your life's purpose, find fulfillment and earn more without ever chasing money. Talk to you later.